Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. readout roadshow from the legendary Manuel's Tavern in Atlanta on the eve of voting in Georgia's U.S. Senate runoff. And the stakes could not be higher. It is the second time in two years that Georgia voters will decide not just who represents the Peach State and its values in the Senate, but also the direction of our country and whether Democrats will have a clear 51-seat Senate majority in the new Congress. Now, in a moment, I will be joined by the incumbent Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock. It is an election that's so critical that more than 1.8 million Georgians voted early, in some cases standing in long lines due to Georgia's 2021 voting law that took aim at mail-in voting after Peach State voters used it in 2020 to send President Biden to the White House and Democratic Senators John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock to the Senate. With Georgia voters choosing between Senator Warnock and a Republican opponent for what will be the second runoff in two years. Warnock spent the home stretch drawing distinctions with Trump's hand-picked candidate, Herschel Walker, and reminding voters of the urgency of their vote. I'm not mad that he doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm mad that he doesn't know what he's talking about, and he thinks he ought to be a United States senator. He's running for Senate. He's not just your uncle talking at the family reunion. We've got one more day to bring this thing home. And I want you to create a real 911 emergency. I want you to vote like it's an emergency. As for Herschel Walker, here is his message to voters over the weekend. God don't need a politician. He need that warrior. That's the one he put me here for. So why are they bringing pronouns in our military? Pronouns? What the heck is a pronoun? I'm sick and tired of that pronoun stuff. Senator, Senator Raphael Warnock will join me shortly. But first up, joining me is Jason Johnson, MSNBC political contributor and host of the podcast A Word with Jason Johnson and Latasha Brown, co-founder of Black Voters Matter. Thank you, friends. Thank you. Um, it's nice to be in your town. It is. I love it Atlanta. Oh, it has been, and Atlanta's hot. We're hot Atlanta right now. Atlanta's hot. It's a little cool, it's but it's really hot. It's cool, but it's also hot. But then talk to me, because the, the thing is, Georgia has to vote. It's like Georgia's voting like every 18 months as another election. And It'd you're out here in these streets, in the in the bus, in the blackest bus in America. Right. Fabulous. Um, what is your motivating message and how motivated are the voters to do this again? You know, it's really interesting. It seems like they're, I've been out all day today and it seems that voters are actually very resolved and very clear about how critical this election is. And so there's actually more energy on the ground, it feels like, in this period than it was in the primary. I think okay. people are very, very focused. But yes, we are tired. There is an element. But what I'm really, really tired of is not having representation that literally is going to represent us, that we have the Republican Party to handpick a candidate, pluck them out of Texas with, with Trump and put them here and say that that at the end of the day, they should be centered. No, I think that the people of Georgia are going to send him back to Texas where he belongs. And, and not even just that. 
somebody who the current lieutenant governor says is the worst candidate. He said, let's just play it. Can we play it? This is, uh, this is Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan. This wasn't the right brand for, for Republicanism. And I think uh, Herschel Walker will probably go down as one of the worst Republican candidates in, in our party's history. Now, now Jason, <laughs> I, I'm just going to say I'm staring in Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, Roy Moore, <laughs> Lauren Boebert, John Kennedy, who I think he's Foghorn Leghorn when he wants to be, Rick Scott. Medicare fraud, Blake Masters, Dr. Oz, J.D. Vance, and Doug Mastriano. Now, so there have been other candidates. I mean, Tuberville is not exactly a genius. Right. But none so, of those guys know how to debate whether they want to be a werewolf or a vampire, right? Fair. So they're not Firm that fair. bad. They're Firm not fair. that bad. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. What I have seen consistently from my friends here and people on the ground, it's not just what Latasha says, the result, but actually, like, the numbers have said it. There's, like, 5 6% of people who have early voted who didn't vote in the midterms, right. those are enthusiastic people. Those are not people who have been convinced by, you know, Herschel Walker that they need to participate. They're people who believe in Raphael Warnock. They were maybe playing for overtime. But it seems to be a situation where people are ready. They're voting. They're prepared. They want this to be over so that the governing can start sometime next spring. Right. And right. this will be six year, a six-year term so that people will at least get a break, at least in this Absolutely. situation. But I wonder if that is a motivating factor because there's data behind this, the great Hill Kapoor, our, our reporter at NBC, has, you know, they've laid it out. There are something like 77,000 voters who didn't vote in right. November who are voting now. And is that because people maybe thought Warnock was a shoe-in before and maybe now they're deciding? I do know. think there are three reasons. I think, one, I think some people really recognize how critical it was. I think there were people who thought that Warnock was going to win. And then when it went in a runoff, they were like, wait, 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 listen, right. we got to do something different. And so I do think that that was a motivating factor. I think there's also a motivating factor around the more that Herschel Walker talks. Yeah. The more people are just really like, I really got to go vote now. <laughs> right? I think they're more inspired to vote. Yeah. And I think that's an inspiring fact. And then the third thing is, I think that there are really critical needs. While there are some implications around this election for nationally, that in Georgia, we have critical needs in Georgia. Yeah. And I think the people of Georgia are saying, it is time. This is no more play, GA. Right. That this is time for us to really make sure that we have representation, someone in the Senate that we're going to have for six years yeah. that are going to fight for the people of Georgia. Yeah. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. And I wonder if it was a mistake on the part of the handlers of Herschel Walker, people like Lindsey Graham, yeah. who have said Absolutely. that the reason to vote for Herschel Walker is nothing to do with the state of Georgia, nothing right. to do with what would help the state of Georgia. He says vote for Herschel Walker so that, number one, Republicans can say they're not racist. Right. And number two, because somehow every black kid in America would suddenly want to be a Republican. That is not respect for the voters if you say that's why you should vote for this guy. One of the worst memes images of this campaign season is Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham playing Waldorf and Statler, you know, next to Herschel (laughs) Walker and and telling him what to say. I mean, they, they could have basically been operating his mouth. Look, this is a guy who, as we've had a chance to focus, yes, he was always incompetent. He always had a terrible background. But his lack of representation of the state, it's not just being from Texas. I bet you if we quiz him right now, he doesn't know where Manuel's is. He probably couldn't find varsity, right? Right off of 75. (laughs) Like, when you get a chance to focus on the candidate, people are like, okay, what are the issues that matter in Georgia? Who's the guy who's been here? And who's the guy who just showed up? So I I think he was always a failed candidate, but now he doesn't have the momentum of a fake red wave behind him. And it's even harder for people to justify coming out voted for somebody. The the things that he's focusing on, I'm wondering, I mean, you're out there and seeing this, he's focused on pronouns, which, I mean, I think every fourth grader kind of knows the pronoun names. He doesn't know what they are. That's fine. (laughs) We'll leave that to the side. Um, Things like trans kids playing sports. Um, 
it doesn't sound like he really does have a grasp of the issues he would be dealing with Absolutely. if he were in the United States Senate, because I don't think that United States senators legislate pronouns. No, he is way over his head. The bottom line is we know that he is incapable of serving in this position. We have real concerns in this state. There are 1.5 million people right now in the state of Georgia that are uninsured. Right. We have one of the lowest minimum wages in the country. It's $5.15 an hour for minimum wage. Who can actually live off that? Like when we're looking at critical issues for Georgia, people can about that in Georgia. And there's a third issue around voting rights that yes. we have not forgotten about SB202, the voter suppression bill, right? Right. And it has had an impact. It's why the lines are so long. It is why the lines are so long. Like on one hand, while we're saying we're celebrating, yes, they're long lines, it is a shame that we're having people are standing in line two, three hours just to cast their ballot to vote. Right. And so we ha- we need voting rights legislation and we need an advocate. We need someone that like Warnock that would actually go to the Senate and fight for us because we're real people and we have real needs. And the thing is, is that throughout the country, you know, I think that people, that the Senate, it can be sort of a dry topic, right? People right. don't really, well, what do they do? With 51 votes, Democrats got stalled on a lot of the progressive right. parts of right. Biden's agenda. He was able to get the bridges built through and some things that he could get past a certain senator from West Virginia. But with 51 votes, it really actually does kind of change the game in terms of Democrats' ability to pass some of the rest of that agenda. Right. We can either ignore Kristen Cinema or, you know, or, that, or that senator from West Virginia. Right. One of the two will basically be blanked by this additional seat coming in. And that's huge. And also, I was thinking it matters for judges. Right. It matters for judges. And they are the people who are going to be able to protect our democracy in 2024 and beyond. We see the Republican insurrections continue to try and use the law because when they can't suppress the vote. Right. Right. And they can't cheat. They try and use the law. They try and use judges. So we're not getting elected ensures that Biden will continue to fill the federal judiciary with judges that were actually going to represent the people and not just the special interests of a certain party. And so now I have to ask a question about something mundane, but then as somebody who used to work in campaigns, it actually really does matter. It's raining today. (laughs) Tomorrow, it's likely to rain. Does that, I mean, do do you think that winds up having an impact? Because the the Walker side is pretty much counting on tomorrow being the whole ballgame. And if it rains, I don't know if people have the motivation for Herschel Walker to make him a senator to come out and stand in the rain for hours. I don't know. Well, I'll just say, I just left the rain. Like, I literally just came out of the ground that we were on the rain. We were actually in Pittsburgh and the community here. People were coming out. People were coming outside. We were actually doing um, some Christmas giveaways in different places. And folks were saying that they were very determined that they were going to vote. And what was was making them the most determined? What was their I think that there's a couple of things. I think, one, particularly in the African-American community, black people are upset. They're actually, they feel insulted. They feel insulted that here the Republicans would actually pick a candidate. And because he was a ball player that in some way that we would and and if they planted this narrative that black men were not going to vote or were upset with the Democratic Party, that those two things would be enough for us to be fooled. We're far more sophisticated voters than that. And there's a certain level of of feeling insulted and that is racist. Right. And I think that's a motivating factor. And then there's also a motivating factor of who Warnock is. Warnock is a Southern Baptist preacher who is the minister of Martin Luther King's church. At the end of the day, that's a lot of history. That's a lot of connectivity to who we are, our history and our centering in the community in the South. And so those things are working where I think black folks are saying enough is enough. Yeah. We can show you better than we can tell you. There's, there is a certain, uh, and I've heard this from a lot of black men, even if they're not in Georgia, there's a certain disrespect that a lot of That's black right. men in particular feel about particularly the way that Walker has been walked around right. by people like Lindsey Graham and sort of used and put forward 
they don't seem to respect him and they don't seem to respect black people. No, by putting no. Him and, and that's that's been the thing all along. Look, we, we've talked about this before. The narrative that black men don't show up or black people don't. Show, it's not true. OK, we we didn't see it. We, we didn't see it with Governor Adams or wanted to be Governor Adams. We haven't seen it with Warnock. Black men are turning out to vote in the state like they have in other places. But I think the other thing is this. Hopefully, maybe I don't know. The Republicans don't seem to learn anything. They seem to think that you can throw any old black face out there That's and right. somehow black folks are going to be compelled and excited. That right. does not work. It's never worked. They've yeah. tried it for 25 years. You have to actually be somebody who's nominally competent. And yeah. heaven forbid you actually care about the community you're representing. Yeah. These are things that Herschel Walker doesn't do. Right. Yeah. So you can't just throw him out there and say, that, okay, well, a black face is going to motivate people. You have to be able to come through on policy. And one thing I got to say in particular, this is something I actually heard from some of my friends here who are here in Atlanta. This hospital closings are huge. Yeah. Like, like people in Absolutely. this area and throughout the state really care. We're still dealing with COVID. Yeah. We're still in a pandemic. We still got brand new crazy viruses that seem to come out like, like action movies every year and making yeah. kids sick. So a state that is losing hospitals needs an advocate. Yeah. In Washington, D.C., it was like, hey, we need federal funding here because people are getting sick and dying. And that, that's yeah. one thing that Herschel Walker doesn't have a plan. Politics actually is pragmatic and they have Absolutely. to do pragmatic things, right. not just tell stories about werewolves. Yes. That's right. right. Uh, so uh, <laughs> Latasha Brown, Jason Johnson. We love these guys. Thank you so much. They are two of the best ever. Thank y'all very much. And coming up, the aforementioned Senator Raphael Warnock will join me right here at Manuel's Tavern. And Herschel, there's still time, my brother. You can come on out and defend yourself. Come on, the doors of the church are open. Come on. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control our bodies and get the health care we need has been stolen from us. And now, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, we can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. We are back with a special edition of The Readout from Manuel's Tavern in Atlanta on the eve of Georgia's U.S. Senate runoff. And joining me now is Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock of Georgia. Senator, 
my goodness. How are you? I am doing great. Are we just going to do this every six months? You're just going to keep <laughs> running for election like every six months for, for the rest of your well, life? It's I, a lot. I, I need the people of Georgia to do it just one more time. People were... a chant earlier. So your fans that were here uh, at this wonderful place, Manuel's Tavern, were chanting one more time. But I, I do have to ask you about that, because at a certain point, there has to be at least some exhaustion that's setting in for your supporters, um, for your campaign. Um, and the fact that Georgia has built this runoff system, which we know is a vestige of, you know, trying to get away from reconstruction and trying to make it harder. Um, what do you make of that idea that Georgia voters are tired? They're tired of having to keep saving the country. Over L- and over. Listen, the people of Georgia are showing up. And I think it's because they understand how much is at stake. We've seen record voter turnout day after day after day. But here's the thing. I want people to understand that although we're seeing record voter turnout uh, during this early voting period that ended Friday, we need people to show up again tomorrow. And um, look, folks who show up for something like this, they've already voted. They're going to vote. <laughs> and so what... What, what, I, what I need them to understand is that even though you've already voted, your job is not done. Your job is to get everybody in your circle to vote. And for your friends who say to you, I'm tired, ask them, imagine how tired you're going to be if you have to have Herschel Walker as your son. <laughs> I, I have so many questions that I can ask, but I'm going to That would be truly exhausting. Uh, you know, I, I have to be honest. I have people that have texted and called me from all over the country and about your opponent. And, and, you know, what they feel that that there's a certain amount of this election that is about the dignity, not just of the Senate, not just of the state of Georgia, but of black men, to be blunt, that people, they they don't feel that there's a dignity to that campaign. Um, Are you concerned that Herschel Walker and whatever his capacity is, his abilities are, that he is being used a bit by the other side, that the Republicans don't want him to be a senator. They want him to be a tool. Here's what we know. We know that he is unprepared. We know he's unqualified. And it gives me no pleasure to say this, but as a preacher, I'm in the business of truth telling. He's unfit to represent the people of Georgia in the United States Senate. Um, and, And we've... We've seen that time and time again. I I do think it's disgraceful for someone who's running for public office to be unwilling to tell us the truth about the basic facts of their life, Uh, telling us lies that are easily disputable. Like we we all know that Herschel Walker is not a police officer. I mean, he had a badge. And (laughs) yeah, well, he wears his lies as a badge of honor, literally. Uh, but we know, we, we know he's not a police officer. And I think that uh, tomorrow night, the people of Georgia are going to stand up and, and say, we know he's not a U.S. senator also. But, the governor of this state, who just was recently reelected, despite all of that, and, you know, his lieutenant governor has been very clear, saying that he agrees with you about Herschel Walker, yet Governor Kemp is campaigning for him and doing what he can to try to get him elected. Republicans are doing that because... They still see him as a wedge in the Senate. 51 votes for Democrats versus 50. What difference in your view would that make for the country, for Georgia? This this race is about who is going to represent the 11 million people of Georgia 
for the next six years. I think we tend to focus on a very short-term kind of uh, situation too often in politics. Mm -hmm. But this is a six-year term. And 11 million people, I actually think, who represents Georgia is going to matter. And what I have demonstrated in the less than two years that I've been in the Senate is that I will work with whomever I need to work with while being who I am if it helps me to do good work for Georgia. And so uh, it it may be an inconvenient truth for some of my Republican friends, but I'm the 18th most bipartisan senator in the Senate. I know how to work with all kinds of people. And I think being a pastor may have something to do with that. Uh, it's, it's just in my nature, my orientation. Amen, brother, to find, to find, <laughs> to find, to find a way to work with folks. And um, I, let, me, let me just say that it really is the honor of my life to represent the people of Georgia in the United States Senate. It, it is a special thing for the people of your state to say when we think about our lives, when we look into the eyes of our children and imagine the future that we want for them. When we think about our aging parents and the burdens that come with the blessing of aging, since we can't all go to Washington, we trust you to go to Washington and to be thinking about us and thinking about our families. For me, that's a sacred trust. It's something I take very seriously. And the people of Georgia deserve a serious candidate. And that's why I believe that in a state that's not known to be a split ticket state, people are making the choices that they're making. Because, look, this race at this point, given my opponent, this race is not even about Republican versus Democrat, red versus blue, right versus left. It's right versus wrong. And I think people see that. You talked about aging. Uh, You posted a picture of your mom, uh, who was lovely, uh, who went and voted. And and you talked about the poignancy of her being able to vote for her son for the United States Senate, yes. but just the ability to vote. You know, we, we still are in the, in the South. Right. Uh, there are a lot of rules and laws that have been made that have made it more difficult to vote here, that have made it more difficult to vote in lots of states. But Georgia sort of was out front in that. Um, would one of your priorities when you get if you get back into the United States Senate be to do something about voting rights? Because we know that is one of the pieces of unfinished business Uh, that was on President Biden's agenda. Can you see through to having a bill that could pass that with your vote as a 51st vote could actually get through the United States Senate? Well, you know, I was John Lewis's pastor and um, he he continues to inspire me. John Lewis understood, uh, as I do, that voting rights is not just one issue alongside other issues. Democracy is the very house that we live in. It, 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 it is the foundation upon which we get to fight for all of the other things that we care about. And so one of the things that I do lament is that in spite of all of the things that we got done, and what an incredibly productive time, we got a lot of things done. I, I wrote a bill that capped the cost of prescription drugs, capped the cost of insulin. Uh, I, 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 am, I am sad... I wish we could have gotten voting rights done, and it is something that I will continue to fight for because I I, I believe in democracy, and I think that it's so important. And it is the reason why, when as we entered into this runoff and state officials began to play with people's votes and voices and began to say that we couldn't have Saturday voting Mm -hmm. because it was two days after a holiday Thanksgiving 
and a day honoring Robert E. Lee, I sued them, and we won. And, you know, they, they, uh, they, they claim, they, state officials claim their hands were tied. And so we took them to court, untied their hands, and then they showed us their hands because they then appealed the judge's ruling twice. We won twice. And that's the only reason we had Saturday voting a couple of Saturdays ago. Perhaps if we had passed the John Lewis voting rights bill, I wouldn't have had to sue just to get the working people of Georgia the opportunity that they needed to exercise their constitutional. Another issue um, that it, it really drove a lot of people to the polls was the issue of abortion and women's right to have self-determination over our own bodies. Um, this is a state that's got one of the strictest abortion bills, laws in the country. Um, it's one of the hardest states in the United States for a woman to exercise her, her rights. And this is also a state that's got Tyler Perry and lots of industry and lots of folks coming from out of state to work here in the industry. Um, your opponent, Herschel Walker, was one of the few people that was running in this cycle to stand up and support Lindsey Graham's idea of a national ban on abortion, um, which is something Republicans would very much like to do. Um, do you do you think that that is going to be a fight that you're going to have to have? Are we looking at trying to fight a national abortion ban? Well, I think that's one of the things that's on the ballot tomorrow. And it is uh, Herschel Walker's position on this is extreme. He says he wants a national ban, no exceptions. That would include rape, incest, the life of the mother. I think that's out of step with the women of Georgia, Democrats and Republicans. And um, it's, 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 one of the, it's one of the things that's on the ballot. And, you know, I get a lot of pushback from people who seem to think that they own the interpretation of the gospel. But I've, I've been studying the scriptures my whole life. I'm, I'm committed to the faith. And as a pastor, I have a profound reverence for life. And as a pastor and a person of faith, I have a deep respect for choice. And I still think, as I've said time and time again, that a patient's room is too small and cramped a space for a woman, her doctor, and the United States government. But if we care about life, you know, black women are dying three to four times the rate of, of white women in childbirth as a result of childbirth. And so if you care about life, we ought to find a way. That's a place where government could show up yeah. and address the obvious bias in our healthcare system. It, it's what Jesus would do. It, I think it's exactly what Jesus uh, would do. Senator and Reverend uh, Raphael Warnock, I got to come to your church and check out your service come, one come, day. Come Can on I come down? Absolutely. All right. Thank you, sir. Anytime. Very much. Thank you very much. Take Thank care. You. Readout continues live from gorgeous Manuel's Tavern in Atlanta. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com. 
Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Welcome back. We are here in Georgia, and you will notice that I did just speak with one of the two Senate candidates in tomorrow's runoff. The other candidate, Republican Herschel Walker, for whatever reason, is not here. Even though he did challenge me to a debate and I accepted. And apparently I am not the only journalist having a hard time asking questions of Walker, who has avoided answering nearly every question that wasn't a softball delivered by the conservative media. He even had his campaign fencing off campaign reporters for fear, I guess, that they might shout a question at him. Joining me now are two of my colleagues, two reporters who are closely covering this runoff, Sahil Kapoor, NBC News senior national political reporter, and Vaughn Hilliard, NBC News correspondent. Thank you both for being here. Thank you for having us. So I'm going to start with you, Vaughn, because uh, you got the interview, uh, one of the interviews of the season, which is an interview with one of the accusers um, of Herschel Walker. Her name is Cheryl Parsa. I'm going to play a little bit of that interview, and then I want to ask you about your attempts to get a response from Mr. Walker. Here's the clip. He had his hand on my throat and my chest, and then he leaned back to throw a punch. And luckily, I was able to avoid that, and uh, the punch landed on the wall instead of me. This it takes a lot of courage, uh, really, to make allegations like this and put your face out there and step out there. So she was courageous enough to talk to you. What has been the response of the Walker campaign and of Herschel Walker himself? You know, Cheryl Parsa is a woman who sat down with us just yesterday in Texas and said that she needed to put her voice out there. And she has been thinking about this for months. But she goes she needed to put her voice out there not only for herself, but for the other women who did come forward, but anonymously. The women who have alleged that Herschel Walker paid for abortions. We also found out over the course of the summer that there were three children of his who the public did not previously know about. But the last time we heard from a woman who went on camera and put her name forward with allegations was back in 2008. Mm -hmm. It was his ex-wife, Cindy Grossman, who alleged that he put a, a gun to her head and threatened to shoot her. And then just two months ago, it was Christian Walker, his own son, that alleged that his dad threatened to kill the family. And that's where Cheryl said, this happened back in the mid-2000s, and she said, I needed to come forward with my story. Herschel Walker, since it was first published, has not come forward and denied or even responded to her allegations here. This is a point where the campaign, I attempted to go and ask Herschel Walker on okay. Saturday mm -hmm. at a football tailgate, mm -hmm. directly, just about 10 feet away from him, started to ask and was pushed back away from the campaign staff. And I think we have video. I think we have, there we go. Okay, so this... This is Vaughn's attempt to try to ask him a question. H how close are journalists able to get 
to Herschel Walker. This is the closest I was able to get to Herschel Walker. We had an event the night before in which we were in a gymnasium and he was standing up where about the basketball hoop would be and we were told we had to go back to the half court line. Right. But he has not talked to non-right wing media since mid-October. We're almost two months ago here in which he has avoided answering questions about allegations, about policy, about substance. This man is running for the U.S. Senate for a six-year term. And what you just saw there, I said, could we ask questions? And I said, if he would be open to discussing with us at another time, let us know. We have still not heard back. I mean, these are serious allegations that one would think that the campaign would like to dispense with or at least respond to. Uh, Have you had any better luck trying to communicate with Herschel Walker and his campaign? What's been your experience? Yes, uh, several months ago. It wasn't always like this. He used to do press conferences. He was more open uh, and more willing to talk to the press. This was before the general election when his campaign came in uh, to that election beaming with confidence. They expected a very different electorate. Their internal polls had Herschel Walker up four to five points, and uh, they were telling people that they believed he could win outright on election night. Obviously, that did not happen. And since then, Joy, he has lost one of his strongest arguments for this seat in uh, the state of Georgia, which is uh, Senate control was up for grabs. It is no longer up for grabs. There are a lot of Republican voters who care a lot about uh, the, you know, the Senate being in Republican hands, but who are very iffy on Herschel Walker. A lot of those voters, a lot of those independent voters, maybe center-right, moderate, suburban voters around here, Cobb County, Gwinnett County, those are the types of people that uh, Senator Warnock has been aggressively making a play to in ads. You heard it just on your show right now. He's saying it's not about uh, left versus right. It's about right versus wrong, not about red versus blue. He's been threading that needle between uh, stirring up the Democratic base, making sure they turn out, and appealing to those independent voters who Walker has struggled with. You know, one of the other things that we've seen is the Republican establishment in the state of Georgia sort of skirt around Herschel Walker, right? So you've had the governor who's campaigning for him. Has he commented about any of these I mean, because Jeff Duncan, the lieutenant governor, is very anti-Walker. I actually sat down with uh, with Governor Walker on uh, Thursday, Governor uh, uh, Governor Kemp, excuse me, with Governor Kemp on Thursday. And the Daily Beast had published the initial account of Cheryl Parsa just 15 minutes prior. And I read him part of this account there. And he said that there are questions about both candidates' character. He never commented on... Uh, or defended, I should say, Herschel Walker as Mm -hmm. a person. He didn't say good things about Herschel Walker. For him, he said, though, he wants a Republican partner in the U.S. Capitol Mm -hmm. to work with here. And that is how he is justified. Uh, his support for Herschel Walker, which is right. very much what we have seen over the course of the last seven years, ever since Donald Trump entered the uh, It'll be interesting right. if he tries to show up on MLK Day, as one does, to go to Ebenezer Baptist Church after saying that. Uh, let, let me uh, ask you about some of the electorate, because there's been a lot of interesting data. I've been using your data all day, so I want you to talk about it, because there are a lot of voters who seem to have skipped the November vote, but are voting now, and they are very demographically interesting. That's absolutely right. More than 77,000 voters skipped the general election and have turned out just in the early vote here in Georgia. And it made me wonder, who are these voters? We have them on the screen. We have this graphic. Three of the biggest groups here of voters that didn't turn out in the general election but have turned out in the runoff are voters under 30, Hispanic voters, and Asian American voters. We know these are all Democratic-leaning constituencies. If their votes uh, in this runoff mirror their preferences overall, that will be good news for Raphael Warnock. And it shows that there's a contingent of Democratic voters who, according to one canvasser I spoke to for Warnock, thought no one would take Herschel Walker seriously, thought Warnock would win this in a walk. That did not happen. Well, Herschel Walker came within one point in the general election and forced this runoff. Now these voters appear 
to have woken up. In addition, Joy, the, the early voting electorate is disproportionately female. It's disproportionately African-American. Mm. Democrats in the previous early voting uh, state for the general election had an eight-point lead uh, in partisan preference. Now it's 13 points. Wow. I'm sorry, 12 points. Very so. interesting. And all the, previ- the the expectations going into November and how that's playing out in the two campaigns. Two of the very best, Sahil Kapoor. Thank you very much, Von Hilliard. Excellent. Good get on getting uh, Ms. Parsa. Good for her, good for you for doing that. Uh, thank you very much. All right, coming up, give them a round of applause. <laughs> All right, coming up, the first and only Gen Z member. You got to work the crowd a little bit. The first and only Gen Z member of the United States Congress, Congressman-elect Maxwell Alejandro Frost. He will be right here, sitting in one of these two chairs, campaigning for Senator Warnock. He joins me next. More readout roadshow live. Emmanuel Tavern in Atlanta after this. <laughs> thank Early voting in the Georgia runoff is shattering records with reports of long lines in heavily Democratic counties like Cobb and Henry. So far, Gen Z voters, people born in 1997 and later, are lapping their older millennial counterparts and are on par with their Gen X parents. Voting is particularly strong in Fulton County, where Atlanta is located, and in big college towns like Athens. Leaving nothing to chance, Senator Raphael Warnock has called on the heavy hitters to help boost turnout, including someone who knows a little bit about Gen Z voters. So joining me now is Representative-elect Maxwell Alejandro Frost of Florida. He's the first person from Gen Z to be elected to Congress. Every month. I know, right? <laughs> I just I'm saw here. you in Florida. Yeah, exactly. And, and I haven't had a chance to congratulate you since you were elected. You've done really a, well. I mean, well, I have it on video, but not in person. So congratulations. Thank again. you so much. So you were out stumping for um, for the for the uh, the incumbent. Tell me about the event you guys did today with Ossoff as well. Yeah, so we were at Georgia Tech this morning. It was standing room only. It was completely yeah. full. Everyone in there had voted, and we told them, your job's not over. you got to right. get five to ten friends to go vote, too. Yeah. Um, and so it was just an amazing event. Great energy of all young people on that campus who are excited to reelect uh, uh, Senator Reverend Raphael Warnock and continue to build this progressive democratic apparatus here in Georgia so that way it's not this close ever again, right? It <laughs> yeah. is a blue state. Yeah. yeah. What, what is your elevator pitch to voters of your generation of why they should do this again? Yeah, I mean, what I always tell folks is this. I, I think a lot of young folks are worried about the fact that they believe when they vote, nothing happens. And we have to be honest with them. We understand that a vote today won't change the world tomorrow. But what it allows us to do is let the, put out the landscape for the next six years. And if you get to choose your battlefield when we're waging these battles on abortion rights, on ending gun violence, on the climate crisis, on health care, wouldn't you take that opportunity? Yeah. And I think that honest bluntness with young people is really what gets them because a lot of times they're shamed into voting. And people want something to vote for, not against. Yeah, and we're seeing this sort of generational shift in the Democratic Party. On the House side, you've got the sort of new young leadership team coming in. Do you think that it does make a difference to have, you know, just younger faces? And does that, in your mind, get younger people more interested? I mean, Ossoff, that's a young look. You know, even Reverend Warnock, he's a young dude. You know, yeah, he's, yeah. so it's like a younger look. Do you think that that is motivating in and of itself? I do, I do. And I think representation matters. I mean, when people wake up and they see someone who looks like them, that's their age. 
Diversity in Congress is about skin color. It's about experience. It's about where you come from. It's about the way you act, who you are. And I think having that diversity, especially having younger people in Congress, is important because it's going to bring out young people, but it's going to bring out everybody because they see themselves in their government. I wonder for you, though, you just, uh, you know, ran in your first election. You're a young dude. uh, And how does it you're already a a surrogate. You're already sort of a star surrogate. Is it is it overwhelming for you to be in this position that you're in right now? Or, you know, maybe maybe you're post millennials just are used to it. Right. (laughs) Well, it is overwhelming, but I feel extremely supported, right? I mean, we said, look, we, we told our uh, senator's team, you know, if you want us out there, we'll come out because it's not the Maxwell Frost show, right? There's not one politician that's going to save us all. I come from the movement world. It has to be a movement on the outside and on the inside of the right. halls of Congress. Morally just leaders who actually give a crap about our health and yeah. our life and seven generations in the future. Yeah. And I see that in the center, and that's why I want to come up here to Georgia. You guys were at a skate park. You guys have been doing sort of all sorts of different events. What are you hearing back mm-hmm. from young people? What do they want from government? They just want to see that government works for them, and they want to see their elected officials fight. There's something that uh, Reverend Warnock said this morning that really stuck with me. He said impatience is sometimes used as a derogatory term of young people, but he said, I'm here to stir up that impatience. Yeah. And it made me think about those young people who rode those buses, who who sat, who did sit-ins. They were impatient, yeah. and now you and I can be here today because of their impatience. Uh, and so for me, I think it's important that we continue to stir up that impatience and get young people excited. Youth voters backed uh, Senator Warnock 63 to 36. Voters age 30, 44 backed him 56 to 41. But it, it really is the youth share of the vote. It was 13 percent. Um, that's higher than the national rate. Young folks are actually getting involved. Mm-hmm. Is this a generation that you think is going to change this country? I do believe so. And I just want to say it shouldn't just be incumbent on this generation. It's yeah. all of us, a multiracial, multigenerational movement of people yeah. coming together, fighting for the world that we deserve. But yeah, but. Gen Z is excited. We, we're looking around at this world wondering why, has, why haven't these problems been solved? Yeah. We're not just complaining. We want to be a part of the solution. Have a conversation with Gen X. I'm worried about <laughs> We need Gen X. Step up, Gen X. Don't let, don't let Gen Z take it off. I'll let you say that. All right. Congressman-elect Maxwell Alejandro Frost, an, an official, official political star. Thank you very much, my friend. Congratulations. All right, coming up next, I'm going in. I'm going to talk to the crowd here at Manuel's Tavern right here in Atlanta. Stay right there. I'm ready. What is it that got you to the polls? What was the one issue that got you to the polls? Intelligence. Intelligence concern for everyone's rights. Preservation of intelligence. (laughs) Competent representation. There we go. Women's rights. Yes. Women's rights. Okay. Women's rights. Okay. Abortion rights. There we go. There's nothing about Herschel Walker that makes him a qualified candidate. Nothing. Over there you go. I agree with what she said. Tell us how you really feel. (laughs) Abortion rights. Okay. Women's reproductive rights. Yell it out. Truth. Okay. Reproductive rights. Reproductive rights. Democracy and human rights. All right. Democracy. All right. All right. All right. Democracy and Herschel Walker. I love your hair, by the way. I'm being really shallow right now, but you look fabulous. Thank you. Women's right to choose. Yes. 
Democracy and honesty. All right, love the glasses. In honor of John Lewis. Okay, yes, yes, John Lewis, yes. Democracy and a proud black man. Okay. Democracy and voting rights. Democracy. Yes. Ooh, let's, let's go around this way. Let's go this way. And what, what got you to the polls? Women's rights to choose. Okay, all right, let me, let me circle around this way. What you got? Voting rights. Okay. Voters' rights. All right. And democracy. Okay. Women's rights. All right. Democracy and women's rights. Yes. Competence. Yes. Being, having the ability to be a senator. Okay. In, intelligence or lack of. All right. <laughs> I, I waited already. Oh. Women's rights and voting rights. Okay. Voting rights, judicial appointments. Okay, yell it out from over there. Black Lives Matter. Okay. Yeah. DC statehood. Okay. Voting rights. Democracy. Voting rights. Okay, yell it out. Women's rights to choose. Okay. Uh, voting rights, and I'm also pro-vampire. <laughs> the vampires have a representative right here. Somebody has to care about the vampires. It's very important. Uh, first of all, you joy in preserving uh, democracy. Excellent. Affordable health care. Will no one care about the werewolves? Will no one care about the werewolves? Choice. Okay, I got to go quick. Here we go. Choice. Here we go. Women's yell it out. Judges and democracy. Democracy and sending Herschel running off back to Texas. Okay, 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 okay. Here we go, here we go. Truth, truth, oh, truth. Here we go. Yes, legalization of cannabis. Okay. Well, Very well said, well said. All right, let me go this way, let me go this way. Here we go. Democracy is a verb in Georgian Saudi action. All right. Healthcare. LGBTQ rights. Voting rights. Voting rights. Women's rights and climate. 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 Supreme Court. All right. Climate action. Okay. There we go. Democracy. Democracy. There we go. Let's run over here. Let's see if we can run real quick. Women's rights and misrepresentation. Okay. E education. All right. Human rights. All right. Democracy. Respect. Saving our country. And I can guess. Okay. Well, listen. Oh, wait, wait, wait a second. Regulate guns out women. Okay. Well, thank you all for having us. Thank you to all the folks at Manuel Tavern. Thank you to this beautiful crowd. Tomorrow. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.